right. Good morning, everybody. Hey guys, we got uh, some family from Guatemala, United Kingdom, and Kenya here today. What is up online with us, family locally and globally? What's up, everybody? Uh, Hey, in December, uh, just a few months ago, Summer and I went to Jamaica. Come on, Jesus, to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And let me just tell you something, guys. I did not miss y'all at all. I really, like, literally, there was not one second where I wish that you were there because uh, <laughs> I was there with my wife. And you know, I, I, I don't even remember who it was, but when we got back, I'm sure they were single because of the question that they asked me. And they said, hey, did your kids go with you? And I was like, no, because I wanted to have fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so we went and I went with my wife, one, you, come, one-on-one, come on with somebody. And this was our, if you've ever had it before, this was our, um, hey, we're now in our 40s, so we have more money so we can go on a trip that redeems our honeymoon from 2001, which wasn't a very great trip. That's, that's what this trip was. Uh, Summer actually said how she knew it was gonna be better was because there was no lizards on the wall. So that's when you have no money and you get married, you get lizards on your wall. Um, and so this, this is just an amazing trip. We loved it. But before we left, our sons who were 13 and 16, They asked us three questions, okay? And these are the same three questions that your kids ask you uh, before you go on a date. Uh, These are the same three questions that kids have asked their parents since the dawn of time. Where are you going? When are you coming back? And who are you leaving us with? Where are you going? When are you coming back? Who are you leaving us with? Where are you going? When are you coming back? Who are you leaving us with? Well, about 12 hours before Jesus goes to the cross, he gathers his disciples together. And it's there, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I think are five of the most beautiful chapters in the entire Bible because it's there that Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It's there that he breaks the bread, pours the cup at the last supper. It's there that he says, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. It's there he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's a moment that these disciples had a long for because there was always people pressing in for a miracle. There was always a Pharisee trying to mess things up, but this was just them and Jesus and nobody wants the moment to end. But as the meal, as the night is going on, they're learning this is about to end and they're starting to freak out, right? Because they're, they're finally understanding for the first time, Jesus is about to die and their hearts are panicking and into their troubled souls, Jesus speaks shalom. I love this, John 14, 18, very simply, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave. Don't you love that God knows the exact right thing to say at the exact right time? Every single time. And then Jesus continues on, John 16, verse four. He says, I didn't tell you all this earlier because I was with you every day. But now where am I going? I'm on my way to the one who sent me. And you're not even asking where are you going because you're only worried about yourself. You're worried like, who's, who's gonna be with me? But instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become, guys. So let me say it again, this truth. It's better for you that I leave. And listen, listen, don't don't over-spiritualize this moment. They as strongly disagreed with that statement as some of us still disagree with that statement. 
What are you saying? It's better, it's better for us that you leave? No, Jesus, it's better for us that you stay. How could it ever be possible that it's better for us that you would actually leave us? But then Jesus continues on and he says, here's the deal, guys. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Everybody say the friend. The friend. And here Jesus was answering his kids three questions. <laughs> Where are you going? When are you coming back? And who are you leaving us with? He says, I'm going to the Father. You don't know when I'm coming back, but I promise you, I'm coming back. And when I go, I will send another. And what Jesus was doing that night is the same thing he's doing today. He says, when he goes, he's gonna send the Holy Spirit. And so the Father sends the Son and the Son sends the Spirit. The Father sends the Son, and the Son sends the Spirit. And I am so excited about what we are kicking off today, because what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend the next five weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. But here's what I know. Some of you are more excited than others. Others of you, as soon as I say Holy Spirit, you're looking for the exit doors. Uh, some of you, don't click yet. Don't click off. You're, you're about to like turn off the, the webpage online because we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. We've all heard different things. In fact, Summer and I were raised in completely different church environments. So we had completely different ideas about the Holy Spirit. So some of us, I get this, some of us grew up in churches that never talked about the Holy Spirit. So right now you were like, what you talking about, Willis? Like, who is this Holy Spirit that you speak of? Uh, others of us grew up in church where we just acted a fool and we called it the Holy Spirit. Come on, she, she done got the Holy Ghost. No, she done got some new shoes and she just wanted to, wanted to show them off. You know what I'm saying? That's why you gotta come to the front to do it, right? Yep. Others of us, on the other end of the spectrum, we grew up in churches that kind of treated the Holy Spirit like the drunk uncle who shows up at Christmas and he's probably gonna ruin everything. <laughs> so, and I know some of you, like, God bless you, you brought a friend today. And so you're like, gee, come on, Jesus. <laughs> I pray Johnson wouldn't talk about two things, tithing and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, and here we are. <laughs> but that's because very few of us have ever actually seen a, a healthy expression of the Holy Spirit. Right now, now let me just kind of lay it out for you. The Holy Spirit is all over the Bible. Okay, He's not just in those like you know revival service moments. Like He is on the first page of the Bible when the Holy Spirit hovered on the waters at creation. He's on the last page of the Bible where the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." He's the bookends of the Bible. He He empowers everything that happens in between. Pretty much anywhere where you see God doing something on earth, He's doing it through the Holy Spirit. And so we've been on this, if I can just say it like this, we've been on this journey for the last year plus of, of, of growing in health and holiness uh, in Jesus Christ. Now we're actually, in this year, we're launching out into a life of mission to be fruitful and multiply. Come on, to become fully alive by releasing those gifts, talents, and abilities, the things that God, the image of God that he put on the inside of us. We wanna release it to impact and influence the world in the direction of Christ out there. And in the process, we become fully alive. Jesus says, go into all the world, right? And here's the question, how? Like, because, here's the thing, because the mission feels so big 
and we feel so small. How could I ever do the mission that God has called me to? And to that, let me say this, is that we can't live out the full mission of God without the full power of God. We cannot live out the full mission of God without the full person of God, the full presence of God, the full power of God. We have to have the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are like, no, pastor, all I need is Jesus. And that sounds great, but that's not what Jesus said. Because it's here in Acts 1, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. I'll give you three verses. Acts 1, begin in verse 4. What happens is Jesus has gone to the cross. He has died for the sins of the world. The third day, the stone rolled away. Breath enters back into his lung. He resurrects. He appears to his disciples. And once he, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift. Everybody say the gift, the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So geographically, those are like four concentric circles, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And that is what 32 years ago, Pastor Dennis and Colleen founded this church. What you see up here on the walls is Acts 1-8. That's, that's what this church is founded on, which is the last red letters of Jesus physically present on this earth. Right after this, he ascends into heaven. No better vision, no better words to build a church on than Jesus's last words on earth. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, you're gonna build families. You're gonna transform communities. You're gonna reconcile cultures. You're gonna impact nations, but you're not gonna do any of it without the Holy Spirit. In fact, don't even try. He's telling his disciples, go back in and wait in Jerusalem. Like you ever tell your kids, go wait in your room. That's what he said. Hey guys, go wait in Jerusalem. And then the gift is gonna come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna have everything that you've ever needed to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish. And guys, we cannot ever become fully alive and we cannot accomplish the mission of God in our lives without the Holy Spirit. We will fail every single time. Hear it like this. We will fail every single time that we take Jesus's great co-mission and turn it into our singular mission. Co-with. We're called to do this thing with God. You cannot do it by yourself. This is why you're burned out. This is why you're frustrated. This is why you're angry at your family for not becoming born again yet. This is because we're doing it all by yourself. But this is a co-mission. We're called to lock arms with the Spirit of God. And this is the Spirit that we desperately need to know more. This is the Spirit we need to walk with more. This is the Spirit we need His gifts. This is the Spirit we need His fruit. This is the Spirit we need His love. This is the Spirit we need His power. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. And what I'm praying over just over the next few weeks is that I, I know it seems impossible. I know it almost sounds like blasphemy and it would be if Jesus hadn't said it himself. We need to learn what an absolute blessing it was that Jesus left. Because when he left, he sent the Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. Right now, the Father is sitting securely on a throne in heaven. Come on, ruling and reigning over all this. Our world may be getting turned upside down, but his throne is right side up. All right, everything here is getting shaken. He is not shaken right now. The Father is sitting on the throne. 
next to him, Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, living to make intercession for us, and he is coming back. He is coming back for his family. (laughs) So the Father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. But the Spirit is right here, God with us. God is not a million miles away. God is right here. And this is the God we so desperately need to know that he, the Holy Spirit, is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force, an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is not goosebumps in worship. Some of you are like, woo, woo, about the Holy Ghost. We could have just clicked on the air conditioning. I don't know, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, the Holy Spirit is not a bird. Some of y'all, y'all got the paintings in your house of like the dove. You're like, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Guys, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. I'm sorry. Um, so here's the deal. If, if we brought the Holy Spirit up here today and we put a name, name tag on him, like, hello, my name is, what would we say about him? Because this is the God that we need to get to know. Who is the Holy Spirit? Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit, he is my helper. He is my helper. Here's, he is my helper. So uh, uh, he helps me. <laughs> so John 14, 16, here's what Jesus says. He says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. He will give you another helper. Now here's the deal. That, that word helper, um, it, it seems like a small word, but it's not at all. In fact, in the Greek, that word for helper is parakletos. So in the South, we would say, got a pair of kletos. Um, so parakletos, that's how you're gonna forever remember that the rest of your life. So para means alongside, kletos means to come. And so the Holy Spirit, get this, the Holy Spirit is the God who comes along beside us. He is God with us to help us no matter what we're going through. And listen, guys, I don't know about you. I need God's help. Come on, anybody? I need God's help to make it through traffic. I need God's help to make it through Walmart. I need God's help to make it through Monday. I need God's help to make it through Sunday morning. I need God's help when my family's being family. I need God's help when I'm feeling cranky. Like I need God, right? Because the weight of life sometimes can feel absolutely unbearable, but we have a God who wants to come along beside us and help us. If you just allow me to be irreverent for a second, I get that like professional wrestling in my mind and the Holy Spirit's like, tap me in, tap me in. Come on, come on, tap me in. And we're like, nah, I got it. I got it. And we're like, oh, I can't do it anymore. Uh, He's like, just tap me in, tap me in. Like, no, I I can do all this in my own strength. That's why we're burned out because we have a God who wants to come along beside us and help us. And so the Holy Spirit helps us know how to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us uh, to make the right decisions because he's the one who knows the mind of the Father. And so he's the one who knows what's on the other side of every door that you could choose, right? You're like, should I choose door A, B, and C? He's the one who knows, ask him. You don't have to rely on your own wisdom. He is God with us to help us. He's the one who helps us to live for God. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us know what to say, right? Like, let me just say it. Today, it's going to happen. Somebody, after service, one of you is gonna come up to me at the door and you're gonna say, what? That's exactly what I was praying about this morning. That was the devotional I did last night. That was the conversation I had with with my husband, with my wife on the way. How did you know? And I'm gonna say, it's because I'm so awesome. I'm I'm just that good. No, the Holy Spirit knows what you need to hear. So he helps me know what to say. 
but it's not just for me. When you leave here or even in the lobby, the Holy Spirit's gonna help you know what to say so you can be a light in your workplace, so you can be a light in your family, so you can have spirit-inspired speech. That's what he wants to help us to do. So the Holy Spirit helps us know what to say, and he also helps us know what not to say. You ever been about to say something, and you're like, hmm, something. Michael Jr. is a a comic, Christian comedian. He says, I got another name for the Holy Spirit, something. He said, because every time I'm about to say something bad, something says I shouldn't. So the Holy Spirit will say, like, breaks. Probably shouldn't post that. Probably shouldn't tweet that. Probably shouldn't text that. Probably shouldn't say that. Right? Is that Christ honoring? Is that something that's going to build up instead of tear down? Is it truth and love? Right? The Holy Spirit helps us. In fact, Jesus actually says there are three specific ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And it's in John 16. Again, in that same kind of like Last Supper conversation. Here's how the Holy Spirit helps us. He says, when Jesus says, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come. Notice he does not say when it has come. When he, the Holy Spirit, has come. He will convict the world of three things. He's gonna convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit comes to help us this way by convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, but here's the problem. We read that and we're like, eee, he does not sound very nice. Like, like the, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Like, that's harsh. It's because we're misreading it, because we don't keep on reading, because Jesus actually tells us what he means. So the Holy Spirit is gonna do three things, convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He goes on, verse nine, says this. He's gonna convict of sin because they do not believe in me. He's gonna convict of sin because they do not believe in me. Here's why the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Because listen, because if we do not believe that we're a sinner, we'll never believe that we need a savior. If we don't believe that we're a sinner, we won't believe that we need a savior, right? Because if we don't believe that we're a sinner, Jesus will just be like a nice add on to our life. He'll be the God that I visit on Sunday mornings and leave in the church until I can actually understand that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Now that word convict can also mean convince, all right? So hear it like this. The Holy Spirit's job is to convince us that we're sinners in need of a savior. I don't know about you. I remember the first time that happened in my life. I remember the first, it was, it was Panama City Beach, 1994. The first time, I, I'd grown up in church, but the first time that my heart ever became convinced that I was a sinner, the, the wages of sin is death, right? That all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That the, for the very first time, that actually made sense to me. Listen, I don't know about you. If, if you're a Christian, you've had this moment. If, if, you're, if you say you're a Christian and you haven't had this moment, I tremble for your soul because there is something called the gift of repentance that the Holy Spirit brings up. And he says, oh, I have agreed. I have loved the things that sent Jesus to the cross. I have fallen in love with sin. I love evil. Oh God, woe is me. I am a sinner worthy of judgment. So I repent. I turn from that. The Holy Spirit convinces me that I'm a sinner. But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit does not just leave you in the place of feeling worthless. He says, hey, you are a sinner. But the good news is there's a savior and his name is Jesus. Let me connect the two of you. So he convinces us of sin. Listen, Thomas uh, uh, Watson said this, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. 
Some of you, you just gotta say like, listen, the Holy Spirit isn't here to condemn you. That's what the devil does. The devil says, condemn you. In other words, you're a sinner. I guess you're just lost. Holy Spirit is to convince us that we're a sinner in need of a savior and then connect us to the savior whose name is Jesus. See guys, the Holy Spirit is why you should not give up on your loved ones. The Holy Spirit is why you should have more grace at home and how you talk to people. You wanna know why? Because it's not your job to convict them. It's not your job to convince them. It's your job to speak the truth in love and to have a life that bears witness to the empty tomb. But you do your part and then the Holy Spirit comes and turns the heart. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can, can convince the heart and turn the heart. Why? Because the first way that he helps us is to convince us that we're sinners in need of a savior. But Jesus goes on, okay? To, to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the second way in verse 10, just keep it going. He convicts of righteousness. Why? Because I go to my father and you see me no more. Wait a second, that's not what I thought he'd say. I thought he'd convict of righteousness because you're no good. No, he says, because I go to my father and you see me no more. In other words, what Jesus is saying to his disciples in that moment, he's saying, guys, right now, because of sin, you can't have relationship with the father. You can't have relationship with the holy God when you're covered in sin. But I'm about to go to the cross to pay for that, that through faith, your sins will be as far separated from you as the east is from the west, that even though your sins are like scarlet, you will be washed as white as snow and you can have relationship back with the Father. And then I'm gonna rise again and I'm going to ascend into heaven. So I'm not gonna be here anymore. You're not gonna see me anymore. So I'm not gonna be able to remind you on a daily basis that even though you sin, you're not a sinner, you actually have right standing with the Father, so in my place, I'm gonna send the Spirit of God to remind you that now you're righteous because of what I've done. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with the Father. So what's the job of the Holy Spirit? The job of the Holy Spirit is to convince us that when we come to faith in Jesus, we now have right standing with the Father. Don't you need that? Listen, you have an enemy who doesn't take a day off who lives to condemn you, who lives to say, you are worthless, you are sinful, you are dirty, God doesn't love you. How dare you come to church on a Sunday morning and lift your hands up? Do you know what you did with those hands this week? In fact, everybody knows what you did with those hands this week. God knows what you did with those hands. God knows what you did with your eyes. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're dirty, you are, you are worthless. But the Holy Spirit comes right behind that as our defender and says that there is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. And so the devil says you're a sinner. The Holy Spirit says you're a saint. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to listen to? Because how he helps us is to convince us of righteousness. Why? Because Jesus went to the Father. He's not here to tell us himself. So the Spirit tells us in his place. He loves us. So he comes to help us by convincing us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 11. It says he, the Holy Spirit convinces of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Oh, when Jesus died on the cross, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again. He, he fulfilled Genesis, the messianic promise in Genesis, where he crushed the devil underneath his feet. He rose again, and now the devil has been judged. You have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the glorious son. And the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us, to convince us that the devil doesn't own you any longer. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's here to do, is to convince you, remind you that you now have a different king with a different kingdom. Listen, you are not your past. You are not even your present. You are who God says that you are because the, the claws of the enemy has been pried off you and now the devil is just a toothless lion. All that awaits him is the pit of fire, the lake of fire. What awaits you is life everlasting. And that's why he's throwing everything against you. But what you have to be reminded of by the power of the Holy Spirit is that he has no more say-so over your life. You are free indeed. You are free indeed. So what does the Holy Spirit do? How does he help us? He convinces us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. But how, here's how we heard that 15 minutes ago. Well, the Holy Spirit's job is to say, you're a sinner, and you're not living right, and you better watch out or else you're gonna get judged. That's what the devil does. Listen, the devil has convinced us that the Holy Spirit acts like the devil. That's why we don't want him. So we think God's just waiting to punch us, waiting to say, oh yeah, it's time, about time for you to pray. I got all this list stored up for you. No, he convinces us that we have right standing with the Father. He, can, he convinces us that we're sinners in need of a savior. He convinces us that now through faith in Jesus Christ, not by our own works, but by his finished work, Man, I'm almost white as snow. I'm a child of the living God. And then he convinces us that the enemy of our souls has been judged and his future is eternal fire, but ours is eternal life. That is the Holy Spirit that I wanna know. Why? Because he is my helper. He is my helper. So the first thing, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is my helper. Second thing is this, the Holy Spirit is my friend. And by the way, he's not weird. He's my helper and he's my friend and he's not weird. See, this is one of the, the biggest hangups in the church, not like Victory, like capital C church, like the church at large, is that people don't want the Holy Spirit because they think he's weird, because they've seen people do things, right? Now, here's the question. How do I know that he's not weird? Because he's my friend, right? And I know him. So how do I know the Holy Spirit? I've developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through his word, right? The Holy Spirit is the inspiration behind every single word of the Bible from cover to cover. And so it's there that I get to know his character. Now, let me say this. I'm going to offend you for a second. But if you, if you don't want the Holy Spirit, if you think the Holy Spirit's weird, it's because you don't read the Bible. Because it's in, the, in his word that he shows us who he is. He reveals his character. He reveals how he thinks. He reveals what he cares about. He reveals what he doesn't care about. And the friendship is developed through the shared experience, right? Now we have stories that we've developed together. Why? Because I learned about him and his word. I also, uh, also developed a friendship um, with him by discerning his voice through prayer, right? Through time and through practice, you can discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in a room full of a thousand other people, right? It's almost like, you know, if my wife called me from an unknown phone number, I wouldn't be like, who this? Nah, you ain't my wife. This ain't your phone number. You, come on. Some of you are like, Holy Spirit can only talk to me in church. Monday morning, you're like, who this? Right? You know, maybe you're in the club on Friday night and you're like, I didn't know I could get reception in here. I didn't know the Holy <laughs> You know, the Holy Spirit's gonna be talking to you when you're in places you shouldn't be at. Right? And that, come on, that's how we develop relationship with the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. Let's just go ahead and put the problem out. 
we've seen weird people do weird things and then blame the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I have to say. Those people were already weird (laughs) before they knew the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now they just use the Holy Spirit as an excuse to just be weird. The Holy Spirit made me do it. Holy Spirit isn't gonna possess your body. It doesn't make you do anything. So my, my first experience, so that I, w- that I would say my first experience. So I, now in hindsight, like I can see how the, the Lord was at work through all my life. But um, the first time where I was like, oh, whoa, it was I was 18 years old, grew up in the Presbyterian church. And so I was now in a church that was not a Presbyterian church. I'll just say that. So I was 18 years old and I remember I'm in the service and so worship is just finished, right? And then it kind of pulls down, you know, in that, that moment where they just kind of hit the keys. Okay, but in this place, they hit the keys, then took the fingers off. And so it was like, dead quiet. And I look around, like, you, you know, maybe you're here for the first time. You're like, all right, what's the culture? Like, what? Okay, so I'm just trying to read the room. Okay, so at this point, everybody's like in a posture of prayer. They're like this. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I just, I guess we're just praying, right? So I'm like, so it just goes on. Like, I see the pastor over there. He's not doing anything. I'm like, okay, so I just, like, it's, just, it's dragging on, right? Then right back over here. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I thought there was like a terrorist attack. Like, I didn't know what in the world was going on. And so I look around and everybody's like, mm, mm. And I'm like, what? What? Am I the only one who heard that? Like, and so everybody's just chill. Everybody's like, mm, 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 mm. so good, so good. And I'm like, all right, I, I don't trust you jokers. I ain't closing my eyes anymore. I'm like looking around the room. I'm looking for the snakes. Like, I don't know what's about to happen up in this joint. And so then, it, like, again, pastor's just chilling. Like, okay, all right, okay. So 30, 60 seconds. And then, like, back over this shoulder. I hear, thus saith the Lord. And I'm like, I didn't know God still used King James English. Like I did not, thought he would have changed with the times. Like, and, and I was like, so at the moment I'm like, I have no clue, but okay, I'll go with it, right? And then I found out like the next week I came back and they did it again. And then like week three, they, and then I found out like, oh, this is just what they do here. And then when I found out, it was the same two people every week. Then I found out, like, those same two people have been doing it, like, every week since, like, 1974. And I found out that, like, those same two people were, like, the biggest givers in the church. And so I'm like, ah, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and that is when I learned that there is a difference between seeking God and seeking attention. Amen. Listen. You are in a house that believes in speaking in tongues. All right, we're gonna get to that, and this is not today. All right, we're gonna get to that. Listen, Paul says this, I I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. That's in the Bible, all right? So what it's saying is we we don't get this. We don't understand this, right? So I believe in that. You're in a house that believes in the power of God. You're in a house that believes in the gifts of God, but I also believe that we can mess the whole thing up when we use God to try and get attention for ourselves, when we manipulate it. Right? When we're doing the safety falls, like praying for people and they're like, oh, is there somebody gonna catch me? Okay. <laughs> right? 
Like we can met, and what happens is, if we're not careful, somebody who grew up like me looks at that and is like, mm, I don't want any of that. I don't, that's all man-made, that is all fake, but I've come to find out it's not. Listen, here's what I've actually really come to find out. You can be, let me hear, hear me right when I say this, you can be a normal person and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Jesus. Jesus was a normal person, but he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen, he was supernatural, okay? He's laying hands on the sick. He's casting out demons. He's preaching, and people's hearts are coming alive, right? But he was not weird. Now, here's the question. Who do you think is the one who actually made us afraid of the Holy Spirit? Satan, right? I mean, just think about it. We're gonna get there, but Acts 2. The first day that the, that the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the early Christians, thousands of people get saved. People get healed. Marriages are turned around. Families are built. Come on, all the, all the cultures, all the races are put together there in Jerusalem. There's supernatural unity. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The world is getting turned upside down. And so the devil's like, I gotta do something about this. But the devil knew that he couldn't stop the Holy Spirit. So what he said was, I know what I need to do. I need to get the church to stop wanting the Holy Spirit. Because the devil can never stop the work of God. But he can stop you from wanting to do the work of God. And we can never fulfill the full mission of God without the full person, presence, and power of God. And so what, the Holy, what, what, the, what Satan did is he created all this controversy. And he got all of our attention focused on one gift, especially today, right? Speaking in tongues. And he used that to divide churches. There are literally churches that says we will split over that. But it's right there in the Bible. But it's because people have manhandled it and used it to control and lord and send people to hell over, right? Let me just tell you this today, guys. There are many benefits of the Holy Spirit, all right? He has gifts, his fruit. His power, his love, right? And we're gonna get into all those things in the weeks to come. But let me say it like this. Missing out on the gifts of the Holy Spirit is unfortunate. But missing out on relationship with the Holy Spirit is tragic. How do I know that? Because he's my friend. And he's not weird. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit is my friend. Last thing is this, the Holy Spirit is my God, is my God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father, it, listen, it's not like the Father is 45% God and Jesus is 45% God and the Holy Spirit is 10% God. No, one God in three persons Blessed Trinity. That's how I grew up singing every single week. Listen, this is what we get into us, right? God, it's above us, it's beyond us, but it's the basis of all truth. That God the Father is God. God the Son is God. And God the Spirit is God. All fully God. One God, three persons. Blessed Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. And the best place to see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all together in the same place is at one of the most pivotal moments in, in, in all of history, Jesus' baptism. So Luke 3.22 says this. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. Okay, we're just gonna pause on that again. 
Everybody say it with me. Like a dove. It does not say he was a dove. What it's saying is almost in our own frail human understanding, they looked when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit came down and they're like, ah, it was kind of like a dove, right? And now, now we paint pictures and we're like, oh, he's a bird, right? The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Jesus. And then a voice came from heaven, the father, which said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. I love how much love there is in the Trinity. And that's even in John 17, in, in that, that same last supper table, Jesus' great high priestly prayer is that we would know that the father loves us as much as the father loves the son. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's there to remind us of all of that. Father, Son, Spirit, God in three persons, the Holy Spirit is God. But here's one of the problems, okay, is that too many churches around the country, we don't do it on an often basis, but too many churches around the country, even around the world, sing the doxology every single Sunday, right? Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? And then they go on to preach a sermon about the Father and the Son, and they don't mention the Holy Spirit until the next Sunday when they sing that song again. Let me say this. This is why... In many churches, hear this, hear, hear this I, I don't say this pridefully, I say this in fear and trembling. This is why in many churches that the word of God is absent of power. Because we get up there and talk about the Father and we talk about the Son, but then we deny the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to come in and to convince our hearts of that word, to produce the life change on the inside of us so that then we can go live on mission to live out that word out there. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just knowledge. It's just truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes the logos, the written word of God, and turns it into the rhema, the powerful living word of God on the inside of our lives. And that's why it's so strange to me that so much is made of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, but so little is made of the Holy Spirit in New Testament churches today. We talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, and we just kind of tip the hat to the Holy Spirit, and then we try and live this life on our own. And that's why our lives are devoid of power, because we cannot live out the full mission of God without the full presence, the full person, and the full power of God, the Holy Spirit. And this is the journey that we are embarking on over these next few weeks to get to know the Holy Spirit. And I love this. A, a pastor out in Texas, his name's Robert Morris. Here's what he says about the Holy Spirit. Let's look. The Holy, here's what he says. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers over the flock. He hears, he speaks, he teaches, he guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ, receives from Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus left so that he could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things, and reveals all things. Where he is, there is liberty. And the writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him. Unless someone is born of the spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. We are convicted by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed by him. That is the Holy Spirit. So today, God, the Holy Spirit, the same God that hovered on the waters at creation, is the same spirit that wants to have relationship with you. 
and he is not far away, guys. Can we just go ahead and begin to, to allow the truth of God to crush this thought in our mind that we are down here by ourselves, that God is in a third heaven a billion miles away? No. The Father is securely on the throne, ruling and reigning over it all. Jesus has finished the work sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, living to make intercession, asking his dad, can I go back and get my bride? Can I go back and get my bride? Hey, in just a minute. But the Spirit of God is here with us right now. And he is closer than our breath. In fact, even in the book of Genesis, it calls him the pneuma, the breath of God. He's with us and he's our helper. He's our friend and he's our God. And this is why Jesus said, it's actually better for you that I go. Because when I go, the helper is gonna come. Think about it like this. Jesus knew that he could only be in one place at a time. But the spirit can be in all places at all times. If Jesus was physically here on earth, he'd probably be kicking it in Jerusalem, right? I'm saying, sitting in the temple. And there would be a line of people wrapped multiple times around the globe, just waiting to get 60 seconds with him one time in their life. And he knew that. So he says, guys, you're not gonna believe me on the front end. But I'm telling you, it's actually better that I go because when I go, the friend's gonna come and he's gonna come alongside you to be me with you everywhere you go. Every single tick of the clock, God is right there. You don't have to wait until a Sunday morning to talk to church. I mean, to talk to the Holy Spirit. You can do it on Monday morning. You can do it Friday night. Every single tick of the clock, the Holy Spirit is God with you. And some of us are thinking, dear God, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I've never had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I've missed out on so much. Yes, you have. Let's just say it, you have but there's no better time than the present. There's no better time than the present to step into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, our helper, our friend, and our God. He's the one who helps us come fully alive. He's the one who empowers every single one of our steps. He's the one who empowers the work of our hands to make us successful. He's the one who speaks the wisdom and the truth of God to us. He's the one who convinces us of sin and righteousness and judgment. He's the one who's our friend every single day and he is God with us, our helper, our friend, and our God. Let's bow our heads and let's talk to him. Mm. Father, we worship you. And right now, Father, I thank you that you so loved the world that you sent your son. And Jesus Christ came to lay his life down for us so we could have life everlasting, to forgive our sins, to bring us into a resurrected life. And Jesus Christ, I thank you that when you ascended into heaven, you sent the Spirit, that the Father sent the Son, and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. God with us. So really, guys, right now, the question is, will I begin to truly welcome the Holy Spirit into every area of my life? 
God, I, I, I confess this on, on my behalf, many of our behalfs. God, we've had broken thoughts of who the Holy Spirit is. We've believed the lie of the enemy that the Holy Spirit is cruel, the Holy Spirit is condemning, and the Holy Spirit is weird. God, correct our thinking today. Because I see Jesus talk so affectionately about the Holy Spirit. God, help us to see the Spirit like you see the Spirit. Father, Son, reveal the Spirit today. Son, reveal the Spirit. Spirit, reveal the Son. <laughs> Do a mighty work in our midst. God, probe our hearts with this question. Do I really want a relationship with God with us, the Holy Spirit? Do I want to hear his voice? Do I want God with me every day? If so, guys, just tell him now. Say it in your own words. Remember, he's not up in the highest of heavens. The Holy Spirit is right here. God, we want you. Holy Spirit, we want to walk with you. We want to know you. Know you as a friend. Know you as our God. Know you as our helper. And here's what I know. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us is by convincing us of sin. But that's good news because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He doesn't condemn us and leave us in an unescapable hole. What he says is, hey, listen, you can't get out of that by yourself. And that's why Jesus came. And he brings our hearts, he turns our hearts. And so listen, more powerful than any of my words, stronger than anything I could ever say is what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. And so maybe right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, in all kindness, you're a sinner who needs a savior. And the good news is the savior has come and his name is Jesus. And so if right now, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, hey, you're a sinner in need of a savior, why don't you just do me a favor? Just lift your hand up. This is one of the most powerful things you can do is just, this is agreeing with the work of God in your life. I remember my whole life changed when I raised my hand because for the first time I was acknowledging the work of God in my life. Don't harden your heart right now. There's still a few more people you need to raise your hand. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Yeah. You can put your hands down. But just keep that, that self-identifying thing of like, oh, I acknowledge that. Woe is me. And I would be completely lost if Jesus hadn't come. <laughs> but the good news is he has. And the sin debt has been paid. And so while you are a sinner in need of a savior, the good news is the savior's name is Jesus Christ. And we can have eternal life and forgiveness of sins by repenting of our sins and putting our faith and trust in him. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray in this moment. And again, allow this to almost be like a Holy Spirit guided led moment. And so let's pray like this. I want you to repeat after me and family of God around you is gonna pray as well. Say, Father, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for laying your life down for mine at the cross. You paid for my sins. Today, I receive that. And so I turn I repent of my sin, my wickedness. 
I am a sinner in need of a savior. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Today, you're my savior. I put my faith and my trust and my hope in you. And right now, I receive forgiveness of sins, a place in the family of God, and life everlasting. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift our hands up to the Lord. Is there a sign of surrender? It truly is just saying, God, I'm not holding anything back. I really do give you all of me that your ways are better. Your ways are best. And right now, God, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and to continue to convince us that now because of the finished work of Jesus, we have right standing with the Father. God, we are holy and righteous and just. We know that many times, God, we sin, but no longer is our identity a sinner. Now our identity is a saint, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And God, continue to convince us that the enemy of our souls has been judged. God, that our past doesn't control us any longer. The devil doesn't control us any longer. No sin controls us any longer. Now we belong to a different king and a different kingdom. And all that awaits us is life everlasting, all because of Jesus. And help us from this day forward to walk with the Holy Spirit step by step. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the friend. Thank you for the helper. God with us, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.